Hey, Sober family, welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast where we're learning to love ourselves instead of booze. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former Army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military several years ago, and I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until, finally in the depths of despair, I discovered the not-so-secret solution to staying sober, finding and contributing to a community. I started this podcast as a way to keep myself accountable and to help others who are in early sobriety. With me, as always, in the studio is Al K. Halfrey, my spirit animal and co-host. Uh, Al, you're looking good on this evening. We've got the lights down low tonight because it's late on the eve of my six-month soberversary. And on this special session of the show, Al and I are celebrating that milestone by sharing some of the most important lessons that I've learned since saying goodbye to booze back in February. And as a special bonus, the second half of this episode will be the best quotes from the first few dozen guests that we've had on the show. So stay tuned for that. By the end of today's episode, Al and I want you to leave with the six keys I had for the first six months of my sobriety. They're just my six cents, if you will. And here they are. The first one is to consult. Key number one is consult. Find a trusted doctor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or both, all three, and or a sober coach for professional advice. These are people who are trained to help others who are in the kinds of situations that you and I are in. And this can be the hardest step for many of us, so that's why it's the first one. I just would encourage you that yes, you do need your medical doctor and you do need the psychologically trained professionals in your corner throughout this process because there may be some chemical things going on with you. Only they can tell you. Maybe you don't need medication. Maybe you just need talk therapy. Maybe you don't need anything at all, but it's better to err on the side of asking because especially if you've been drinking a lot of alcohol, it's done things to you physiologically that can be very damaging and it's best to get your body checked out and your brain is part of your body. So it's very important that you seek out that professional advice. So key number one to the first six months of sobriety is to consult. Second one kind of goes along with that, it's connect. And this is where I highly recommend that you find a sober app to help you with accountability. There are lots of choices out there. The one that I've used with six months of success is called Reframe. It's available on iOS currently. It's not out for Android yet, but just go in your app store or your Android version of that and search for sober or alcohol-free and just browse and find one that seems to fit your personality. There are ones that will have a day, an hour, and even a minute count since you had your last drink. There are ones that can tell you how much money you've saved based on how much you were drinking and all those kinds of things, as well as varying types of resources, depending on whether it's a free app or maybe a paid version of the app. And I know in my case, Reframe cost a little bit of money. I think it was like 80 bucks when I subscribed for a year. And that was kind of some buy-ins and put some skin in the game. And so if you're hesitant to sink some money into it, maybe try it, do a free trial and try the app out. And if it seems to be working for the first week or whatever, it's probably worth whatever you spent in booze in that week is probably gonna offset whatever you spend for the year 
or for whatever the initial installment of that app will be. So find a sober app. The second thing is to create a sober social media account. And I personally hate social media. I really do. But I went back to Instagram because so many people on my app kept saying, here's my Instagram handle, here's my Instagram handle. And I first created an anonymous lurker account and I just started checking people out and seeing what they were saying. And the more I saw how positive and encouraging and uplifting the sober community is on Instagram, I, I stuck with it ever since. And so start anonymously if you need to, but seek out a tribe and you will find one. You will find some people who are in the exact same boat that you're in, regardless of how isolated you feel or how much you feel like, oh my gosh, nobody else could be going through this. You will be shocked and surprised in a good way to find other people who, even if you're not going to reach out and connect with them, at least you can be encouraged by the fact that knowing that they're there and they're telling their stories, which mirror your own. Okay. So key number two was connect. Now, key number three is to sit with it. Now, this is one of the harder ones. Three and four are going to be hard. You got to learn to let your emotions and your cravings come and go. And this is easier said than done. It's just the best way to do this is just to breathe. Do a deep, like, belly breath. And just find some, find a basic breathing technique, like a box breathing, where you in for four counts, hold for four counts, out for four counts, hold for four counts. And just do that over and over and allow your thoughts to just come and go. This is especially important when that crazy train gets going, that vortex of crazy thoughts gets going and the negative self-talk and all these things that start to turn on themselves, especially when you get anxious about being anxious or you feel guilty about feeling guilty or all these kinds of other meta feelings is what I call them. And so you can learn to let those emotions and a physical craving come and go by just breathing, watch those, feelings. Pretend like you're a spectator to the slideshow that's going on in your brain. You're just watching it, not judging it, just watching it. This is easier said than done and it takes practice, but you can do it. It is possible. So please just give this breathing thing a try. No matter what your faith tradition or what your experience is with meditation or mindfulness practices, or prayer or anything, I encourage you just the one thing that we all do as humans is breathe. So just breathe and learn to let those emotions and cravings come and go because they will go. They will go away on their own eventually. And most cravings last only about 20 minutes or less. It's one of those scientific things that I never knew until I started to learn from my app. All right. So key number three, sit with it. Key number four goes along with that. And this one is to grieve. Now, when you are kissing alcohol goodbye, you are losing a relationship. I call alcohol my jealous gaslighting lover. And boy, she's a vindictive, manipulative. Mm. In my case, it's a she because I'm a heterosexual dude. And I'm telling you, regardless of how you personify alcohol, it is that type of presence in your life. It has been. It has occupied the place of a person. Because you're losing a relationship, you got to grieve it that way. You got to grieve it like a breakup or even like a death and it's total bullshit, but you're probably going to lose some actual human relationships in this process too. This is really, really hard. And so you got to sit with this stuff 
and really just sit in that grief and allow yourself to cry it out. This is probably the one that I haven't done enough of in my first six months and that I'm going to have to do more of in my next six months if I'm going to persevere to a year and beyond. So we're in the middle, or it gets hard here in the middle, but the next key, number five, is to get out of your head and get out of your sitting in that stuff by moving. And that might be by exercising, but I'm going to say that serving is the fifth key. So whatever it is to get yourself moving, so maybe the best word is to move, but I would offer to you that move in the direction of service is going to really help you because it's going to take the focus off of you and it's going to put your focus on helping someone else and the kind of gratification that the the selfish gratification that comes with knowing that you've helped someone else. It's okay to be selfish in being selfless. The two kind of go hand in hand, regardless of your definition of altruism or whatever philosophy we want to talk about with that. Forget that. Just get out and serve. Even if it's just a simple thing like holding a door for someone, complimenting someone, telling someone that you love them and what you appreciate about them, or just going out in the community and volunteering, whatever it is, get up and out of that grief pit that you've been sitting in and get out and move and serve. And your final key, the sixth key for the sixth month, I believe is to enjoy. This is where you gotta turn the sobriety thing on its head. A lot of times it's what we tell ourselves. So if you tell yourself this is awful and it's gonna be terrible and it's always gonna be drudgery, well then it will be. But if you say to yourself, I am finding so many new things to enjoy, let yourself enjoy the good things that you're being fully present for now. And some people might disagree with me on this one, but I'm gonna offer that you should allow yourself some sort of transfer addiction. And that might be something as simple as sugar. Sugar craving is a very common transfer addiction for folks that are in their first several months of sobriety. I have gained some weight in the last six months. For me, the real treat has been these monsters and rock stars and energy drinks that have really gotten me through. And I know that those have their own physical detrimental effects if you overdo it. But I have told myself that at least it's not the booze. I'm getting dopamine from this and not from booze. And the rock stars and monsters are not going to wreck my relationships. Your transfer addiction might be exercise. There are worse things to you know, overdo than exercise. Obviously, you can overdo that too. Again, consult with your doctor. It all comes full circle. Consult with those professionals and they can coach you along the way about what's most helpful for you. I've got to follow up with my primary care in the morning. It was actually a very fortuitously timed appointment. He wanted to follow up with me because six months ago he knew that I was having a lot of problems and that I was drinking too much. And he said, I want to see you again in six months. And I'm glad he did because now I can go in tomorrow and say, hey, doc, I haven't drank alcohol in six months. And so these are six keys for my six months. Again, this is just based on my experience. I'm not a professional. I'm just a dude who is here to walk along with you. And it's been an honor and a privilege to be on this journey with you. Al and I are so grateful for you listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, for sharing it with people, for encouraging me times when I was low, or just reaching out to say how the podcast has impacted you. It's been a really neat thing to see how one decision can change not only my life, my family's life, but some other people's lives. So thanks for being part of that. Now, before we get to the good stuff with the wonderful quotes that you're going to see and hear next, 
on that highlight reel, I want to share an opportunity for all of you fantastic OG listeners out there. In keeping with the sixth theme, Al and I want to introduce you to the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye premium subscription where you'll get six perks for just $6 a month, including members-only content, special VIP access to tune in during interviews, shout-outs on social media, and more. So if you're interested in joining, head over to ikissedalcoholgoodbye.supercast.com and it's incredibly quick and easy. It only takes a couple of clicks and you're in. So join the other OGs who have already signed up this month and they've been messaging me and saying that they love the fact that they get like an advanced episode and they feel like, man, I got to get the sneak peek. So again, go to supercast.com and look for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye and you can sign up for six special perks for just $6 a month. So with all that being said, let's get to the highlights from season one and season two. First clip is one of my favorites, and it is Anna, who lives up in Boston, uh, talking about how she understands the idea of alcohol addiction and how she has a different take on it than probably a lot of people do. I personally don't like the term alcoholic because it puts the blame on the person. Um, But it's okay that you have a problem with alcohol because it's a problematic substance, right? I'm more impressed with the, I think people who don't have an alcohol problem and can drink are the weird ones. And we're (laughs) the normal ones who are reacting appropriately to a very addictive substance, right? After that gold from Anna, we go into... Uh, the handful of episodes where Austin was my co-host and we had so much fun. Uh, We had these wonderful guests. The first clip you're going to hear is just an outtake. Um, Well, I guess it was actually in the episode, but it was just some banter that we had as we were introducing the episode on mental health and sobriety. My brother in Christ, you need guidance. Anyway, hello. (laughs) My name is Austin. Um, And this is I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. That's Dana. He's got some stuff happening right now we both do and that's what this episode is kind of going to be about um yeah mental health and sobriety slash um addiction uh yeah i'm saying um and uh a lot because i have a lot to say and you guys will probably be scared by the end of this episode either scared for my well-being or scared (laughs) for your well-being so there's that um we have a lot to discuss today so yes we do so buckle up Uh, Followed by a quote from our friend Matt Gardner, um, our first outside of the U.S. guest who lives up in Edmonton, Alberta, and is the host of the Beyond Recovery podcast. A lot of that is it's just the more aware that you can become of yourself and of your triggers and your patterns and just allow them to happen. It's okay if you're if you're uh, it's okay if you feel frustrated. It's okay if you have a bad day. It's okay if you feel like shit. It's okay <laughs> if you feel great. It's okay. All of it is all good. The main yes. thing is that you're feeling and you're allowing those feelings to come and that you have connection. And then the third quote is a kind of a tearjerker uh, for us as we listen to our friend Mark Schultz, who lives in New York City and is uh, in his mid-40s, is gay, and uh, just talks about how important his sobriety was to uh, just coming to terms with a lot of things from his past 
and reconciling those things with his present and his future, and most of all, his view of himself. As weird as it sounds, you're going to find a new person within yourself that you're going to be on this journey with. Like you're, and, and you're gonna, you're gonna suddenly feel that the person that you are building towards in the future, the future you, you feel a love for and a commitment to that becomes more important than the, the things you are hiding from. Next, we had a couple of ladies who helped close out season one. We had sober grandma road trip, Lynn King, who has described herself as a 68-year-old tattooed church-going road tripping grandma. Uh, and she is just a party in a pair of pants. But she got serious in this part of the interview uh, where she talked about uh, the importance of something very key for sobriety. Learning to let go, learning to release, you know, to forgive myself and to release it, uh, not carry, because there was a lot of, of shame and guilt and regret revolved around that family break. And then Sam Kars, who is my first overseas guest, she lives in the UK, and she talks about how uh, she stopped drinking on a New Year's Eve, and how uh, there was just this moment where she knew that it was over. But what happened is that night, New Year's Eve, I was with my daughter, she doesn't drink anyway, I was trying to say, oh, come on, have a glass of fizzy, she kind of half-heartedly had a bit, but wasn't interested, mm-hmm. and you know what, I just put it down, and that was it. I just mm. thought, why are you doing this, you know? New Year's Day, I didn't have a drink. And it just, I don't know why, but that time was the time. Season two started with a huge guest, which is Katie Mack, the host of the Fucking Sober podcast. If you've never listened to it, it is brilliant. It's unlike any podcast that I've ever listened to. Uh, We happened to record uh, our interview just hours after the Roe v. Wade. And so we started that episode with a brief discussion about um, what things are like in our country right now in terms of dialogue. Uh, Katie goes into some great detail here about how sobriety was actually one of the things that taught her how to listen to other people and to love them where they're at. And like suddenly I'm like, uh, I am so pro-choice. If you're pro-life, don't ever talk to me. Right. And that only serves me for so long. And I do that and I overcorrect. And again, that's my like teenage phase, you know, the same way I like only wear goth clothes and I like only like put up my middle finger to anybody, right? (laughs) Like I'm just so (laughs) mad. But the space of being a human and being an adult is sort of the spaces in between. And again, that doesn't mean you're like shifting your morals. It doesn't mean that you're like, you know, uh, not a person who uh, has staunch beliefs. It just means you're willing and able to listen to another human being. Yes. For me, this always circles back to the biggest thing in my life and the most consistent thing in my life, which is sobriety. I wouldn't have that patience. I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even have been an option because the pathways in my brain were only from zero to 60, right? Like you were either my best friend in the world or immediately my fucking enemy. Uh, like, I mean, it's just, there was no space in between. I was insufferable to be friends with or to date. I was just in fucking sufferable. And uh, the, the gray, being able to see the gray yeah. um, is the gift of sobriety. 
Next was Elmer Velasco, who lives in the Chicago area, and he likes to describe the alcohol-based culture that we live in, the matrix, that we don't even realize that we're programmed to think and act a certain way. And I love this quote from our interview. Well, you're in the matrix, you feel, I felt like that, like, stop drinking alcohol. Like, who does yeah. that? Why in the right. world would I do that? You know, right. uh, that's kind of because you're so programmed, you're in the matrix, you're thinking, this is the reality, this is everyone's reality. Uh, every occasion, you must have a drink because you're, you want to celebrate and you're feeling festive and you, or yeah. you're sad and you just want to, you know, whatever it is, like, it's at every corner of your life. Next was my friend Carrie, who lives up in New Hampshire, and she talks about how in getting sober and finding friends on Instagram, uh, they actually have become a lot more than that. Sometimes I actually feel like I'm leading a double life. Like I've got my regular friends that I see, and my husband and my kids, and then I've got my Instagram family that are really, really seeing the real vulnerable side of me that, you know, not everyone else is seeing. So I think that's what it is. It's, it's opened us up to be vulnerable, to talk about things that we wouldn't typically talk to other people who don't really understand. My next episode then came with another British guest, Kate Taylor, who has become quite an influencer on Instagram in the last uh, seven or eight months since she got sober around Christmas time of 2021. And Kate had a very interesting analogy for uh, the times when she got drunk and how it was very unpredictable uh, what she was going to get depending on the night. I always say it was Russian roulette with me because I've been out before and I've had two bottles of wine out for dinner with friends and I've walked home with them and they're slurring and they're like, Kate, you seem completely sober. And I'm like, I feel sober. I mean, I could go for a park run, but then I could have three glasses of wine one evening and it would just send me loopy. And I don't know if that's to do with hormones, but it was Russian roulette. As soon as I had a drink, I didn't know which version of me I was going to end up as that evening. And that is scary and it's dangerous. One of the most fun interviews that I had was with Paige, or she goes by Pagey, and her handle on Instagram is Sober and Funky. And Paige describes for us in the middle of her interview about the importance of finding something, even just to find something as simple as, well, I don't want to give it away, but her face lights up when she says it. You just have to find find something like it, it could be baking. It could be like taking a walk outside. It could be listening to your favorite podcast or like cuddling your dog. It's you just it's just you have to find the little things in life. like finding a fun rock that makes you excited. It's uh -huh. just like you know you just Anything. gotta keep your keep your mind open. Like that's uh -huh. what I would say. Next, I got to interview my friend, Adam Carroll. Uh, we've become friends since this interview, and he is a remarkable person who has a story that just will have you going, wow. I mean, he was involved in basically uh, drug dealing from the time he was 15, but it was more than that. It was like organized crime, and there was a hit put out on him, and um, he was tortured and all kinds of crazy things. But in the midst of telling that story, he shared this beautiful quote. Breathwork is a tool to create stillness 
when you find a sense of stillness, you find a sense of oneness. So the sense of oneness with you and all the other humans in the universe, how we're all on the same frequency, we live on the same planet, all that stuff. And then once you find a sense of oneness, you find a sense of connection. When you find a sense of connection, you find love. And to me, love is God. Next was my new friend, Karen Kane, who is a spiritual practitioner and a life coach who does everything from uh, booty yoga to cold water therapy. And she has this incredibly beautiful description of how when she realized that she needed to stop drinking, that it had to do with life itself. Once I really bottomed out, you know, how many times can you bottom out a lot? Yeah. <laughs> or as many times as it takes. But I finally realized that I wanted to live. And I wanted to live a happy life. I had the great privilege of interviewing my now friend, Skip Sams, who is a life coach also. He lives in the Chicago area. And uh, Skip coaches performing artists in coming to terms with and making amends with their muse, the muse as a personified part of your life. And even for those of us who don't consider ourselves artists, uh, Skip had the argument that uh, we all need to reconnect with that creative part of ourselves. But he had this beautiful quote that I wanted to share with you from the middle of our conversation. These people are not my higher power. Their philosophy is not my higher power. And in fact, it's none of my business what they think of me. It is none of my business what people think of me. That is the first lesson I learned in recovery that allowed me to really keep an open mind it is none of my business what people think of me. Then came my friend Caitlin. Caitlin has just this joy and radiance about her that is so warm and so loving. And she describes coming into sobriety as rediscovering her inner light. And I'm not going to say anything more about it because she says it the best herself. I say that I gave my light away. I say that I let it go out. And there were times when I snuffed it out myself. So yeah, in reigniting it, like I learned how to talk to myself. I learned how to love myself. I learned, I literally looked in the mirror for six months and said, I am my friend to myself until I believed it. And last but not least, my friend Arelli, who uh, works in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles. This is a great one to end on because she talks about how, um, in your first year of sobriety, you get to experience everything uh, fresh and get to take part in them sober. It really changes things because I've gone now to a concert, I've attended a wedding, my son's bar mitzvah. I mean, I've done these like pretty major things. I've had my birthday, um, Christmas, I did Christmas, I did New Year's. So I think a full year, a full calendar year of sobriety is like, a good goal for someone who's just curious um, because then you can see, you already know what those things look like when you're drinking or when you're drunk and now you experience them fully there. Thanks so much for listening to these highlights from seasons one and two. Al and I send you our best sober vibes wherever you are, whatever your day count is. Remember, we're all on the same day and know that you're loved by this guy and this Al and we hope that you can stay Al K. Hall free even if it's just for today, 
just take this thing one day, one hour, one minute at a time, and we will sign off by saying, like we always do, goodbye alcohol and hello life. Much love to you all and peace.